Rinkwide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you with the practice day version of the show, non-game day version, as we like to call it. But uh, you were in the building today, this morning, J-Pat, and uh, looks like we got some changes happening to that top line, uh, although we've seen this before. We'll start right there. Anthony Beauvillier with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, I think the biggest news of the day was the fact that Quinn Hughes was not yes. there. And we all wondered, was it just a maintenance day? The guys played a thousand minutes a night for the better part of a month and a half. Uh, learned after the fact that uh, he's fighting something in the way of an illness, not uh, an injury. Uh, Rick Tockett thinks that he's probably going to play against Chicago on Thursday night, but uh, said, look, Quinn Hughes, can he can skip a practice. So we just told him to stay home and you know, don't bring whatever it, it, the illness is uh, down around the rink. So that's all that was with Quinn Hughes. Uh, maybe we call him questionable for tomorrow night, but the coach thought that uh, he he would play. Uh, as far as what happened in the way that they lined up, yeah. Uh, Anthony Bavillier back with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, uh, and that meant that uh, Dakota Joshua had dropped down in the lineup, but familiar landing spot for him with Nils Amon and Connor Garland, that third line, the, the middle line, I guess, uh, the second line, JT Miller with Brock Besser and Phil Giuseppe. So uh, really the, the shift was a, a one-for-one swap, if you will. Uh, Bovillia goes back up top and Dakota Joshua is uh, reunited with his third line guys. And, uh, you know, Joshua got an opportunity. He earned an opportunity. We know that the coach likes him, but really didn't do a, a whole lot with that opportunity. In saying that, though, I mean, he gets in on the four check and is part of the first goal last night, the Elias Pettersson goal. So he did get an assist there. Uh, and you know, just a good experience for late in the season if you're experimenting. A bit of a reward for a guy that has played well and played hard under Rick Tockett. But uh, I think we all think that Dakota Joshua really is better suited to sort of that third line uh, wall work kind of guy. But in a pinch, if uh, Rick Tockett wants to move him back up or if there's injuries and that kind of thing, uh, never a bad idea late in the season to experiment just to see what a guy looks like in a different situation. And we got to see what uh, Cole McWard looks like as well, wearing number 48. Do you remember the last guy to wear number 48? Uh, I want to say it's only a levy, yeah. but uh, yeah. I didn't see Cole McWard in the corner flat on his uh, his back. He got through practice, so maybe that's a step in the right direction for, for number 48. Uh, whatever the They've turned the page from Ole Levy, and yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know that, I know Darren Dreger tweeted out earlier in the day that uh, he thinks McCord's going to play and make his NHL debut. Uh, the announcement made during the game last night, right shot defenseman, two years at Ohio State, 21 years of age, and you know, first practice, so a lot to take in. Obviously, for anybody that steps in. Now, we've seen it with Aiden McDonough. We've seen it with Akito Hirose. Uh, so this is just another guy. If he plays, he'll be the 16th defenseman that the Canucks have used this season. And I have to be careful in how I phrase this. But one of the things that jumped out at me about Cole McWard when I saw him with my own two eyes at practice was the length of his stick. Um, let's just... <laughs> Don't go all dollywall here. <laughs> I can hear Don Taylor right now. That's why I said I wanted to be careful about how I said this. The stick looks six feet long. <laughs> I bet it does. I, <laughs> I I didn't I didn't ask him about the length of the stick, <laughs> but that was an observation. I'll let people make their own observation when they see him play. All right, you mentioned uh, he's an Ohio State Buckeye, which uh, to me. 
Well, that's uh, that's got a stench to it, but he well, does have. That's it. why I wondered if Quinn Hughes stayed away today. Yes, the, yes, the Michigan exactly. Wolverine, the Wolverine versus, and I mean now that there's two Buckeyes, yeah, in with him and Dakota Joshua being alumni, uh, here is Mick Ward on having a fellow Buckeye in the dressing room. For sure, there's definitely a bond there. Um, he's been great, great talking to him so far. Um, you know, still still meeting every every guy and everything like that. So. Um, all the guys have been great, but, you know, definitely having the Buckeye in the locker room is a special thing. So, And uh, Dakota, though, went all four years yep. at Ohio State, just two years for McWard now outside of the, the length of his stick. Well, what did you like uh, that you saw uh, out there? I mean, does he, you know, physically, like, is he is he, is he a big body? Like, what, what do you got going on here? Yeah, I think like most college guys, they turn pro and they realize that they've got to fill out still, that, uh, you know, you can get by. Uh, as a little bit of a leaner body in the NCAA ranks, but now you're playing with the big boys. This is as good as it gets in the, you know, the best league in the world. Uh, so I don't want to say he looks slight, but I think that, like so many other guys, Rick Tockett will put him on the summer plan, and you know he'll come back, he'll look like the Hulk. Um, I don't know about that. What I noticed, I think there were four right-handed shot guys and two lefties, and so uh, it was a little bit of mix and match. It was really only a half hour practice. Uh, I think some people thought that maybe Rick Tockett would crack the whip and it would be a bag skate and that kind of stuff. It wasn't. Um, but he, McWard, spent some time on the left as a right shot guy and then sometimes over on the right as well. I would have thought that you know, you'd want to put him in a position to succeed as much as possible that if he does play, he'll play on the right side, and a guy like Kyle Burroughs perhaps would slide over. And that seemed to be his most common partner in practice was Burroughs and McWard. You had Tyler Myers with Hiroshi and then uh, Ethan Bear with Jack Rathbone. But if Quinn Hughes does play tomorrow night, then they're not going to dress 7D, so somebody won't. Uh, again, we're led to believe Rick Tockett wouldn't confirm it. But, you know, he said after one look that uh, he liked what he saw out there. He thought that uh, battle level and all those types of things were high. And and you'd expect that. I mean, yes, there'd be some nerves, but at the same time, there should be some energy with some of these young guys that are coming in. And we know that that was the buzzword after the game last night, just a lack of energy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was one of those that went to practice today thinking, all right, like, what will Rick Tockett do? Uh, there aren't many practices left. Like you just look at the schedule. I mean, there's not many games left and beyond that, there's a back to back. There's a little bit of travel in there. So, uh, they had a practice today. I think they've got one scheduled for Friday. Uh, but beyond that Friday might be the final practice that uh, the Canucks conduct this season. So there isn't a whole lot left to work on, but I just kind of thought maybe after the coach had his harshest words for his team since he took over that there'd be a different tone to practice, but uh, Rick Tockett talked about that as well after the fact that, uh, you know, there was a, a time when the bag skate may have applied in this situation, but uh, he didn't want to go down that road today. All right, let's hear from the head coach on today's practice. Well, I, I was, I mean, I, re- I probably, an old school of mine, I probably would have skated these guys even harder today. Um, but, you know, I've sat in their chair, you know, like I want to give them the chance to, to, to play tomorrow uh, with some energy. But, you know, we got to, if we're not going to win battles, then we're going to have to really practice hard battle drills until we get it right so we had a little taste 25 minute practice a little taste of it there at the end but uh that's something i'm going to be really watching tomorrow is how many 50 50 battles we can win tomorrow i think that's an interesting sort of perspective on rick talkett there the fact that he can relate to it because from his playing days but if you think about from his era like a lot of those guys excuse me can't separate their era from today's era 
And so they just go back to doing the things that, that, you know, they had done to them basically. Right. So you kind of got to like that sort of, uh, perspective that, that talk it has with these younger players sort of adapting to today's sort of player. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, Rick Tockett's out there conducting practice. He's got his assistant coaches, both Sedins were on the ice. Uh, but then like the full contingent of management, uh, Jim Rutherford was watching from the stands. Patrick Alvin was watching from the stands. Dan wow. Smeal, Derek Clancy. Uh, they were all there. And we know, I mean, how many times have we heard about practices in Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby leading the way? And I just thought, yeah, look, I haven't been around all the practices this season, but I, I have a hunch that that wasn't a coincidence that upper management wanted to see what was going on, considering that nobody uh, was happy with the effort level and the energy expended in that 5-2 loss to the Seattle Kraken last night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and listen, that was... One of those games where the Canucks just fully looked like they weren't invested for a full 60. They might have given them, what, maybe 15 to 18 good minutes in that game, if you're lucky. Uh, Connor Garland asked about, you know, the last few games. And, of course, of course, the Canucks are not technically losers of four straight. They're winless in four mm-hmm. straight, right? Uh, Connor Garland asked about uh, the last few games, and he says, well, it's just a bit of, bit of a blip. Obviously, you know, since talks taken over, I thought we've played uh, you know, as a team and um, played hard each and every night. Uh, these last two were a setback, and you know, like talks, it was just kind of bad habits that are creeping back in. Our changes were were horrid again, and um, stuff that we hadn't done in a long time. So we just we got to make sure we're ready to compete tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, but you can forgive the players for you know seeing the finish line and knowing that there's nothing, no prize after it, right? Outside of a, a really tough summer with Rick Tockett breathing over your shoulder. So you can kind of see why it is, but at the same time, too, you can also see why the coaching staff needs to uh, make sure this things are tightened up uh, as they play out the season. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, I go back to what Rick Tockett said about, you know, different era maybe would have bag skated them. Uh, I, I like the fact that he recognizes if he skates them super hard today – then it probably does sort of sap yeah. some of their energy reserves for the game. And he does want to give them an opportunity to make amends and atone for the poor performances here against the Kings and the Kraken. It's a an easier opponent. It's the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we know that they haven't been winning much uh, all season, but certainly not of late. Canucks have beaten them a couple of times here uh, since Rick Tockett, Rick Tockett took over. So, you know, I kind of like that approach. Like, he said what he said. He's made it abundantly clear to these guys that it wasn't good enough. It's not acceptable. uh, But rather than taking it out on them at practice, you know, deliver your message. But then let's see if they respond. If they don't respond against Chicago, then Friday's practice might be something to behold. uh, But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, There is a game to play on Thursday night. Well, Connor Garland's a veteran in this league as well. And he knows the importance of finishing off your season uh, strongly, regardless of where you're at. And he just talked about, you know, just being a pro. Yeah, I mean, it's your job to do it. So uh, it shouldn't be too hard to come and play hard for 60 minutes and practice hard uh, each and every day. So uh, I don't think any of us were happy with our effort. Um, you know, talk made that clear. And I think, uh, you know, we all felt the same way. <laughs> it's got to be something to, you know, sort of take it for granted. And you see it in the league. Like you sure. definitely yeah. see it in the league. But I mean, could you just, I couldn't imagine like getting that far and then sort of just pissing it away. You know what I mean? But we see it time and time again in professional sports, right? And it's just, it's just some guys that's just, you know, because when you go through this, sometimes you lose the love of it, right? And we've seen that many times before. 
Well, and I think, too, we're at a stage here with five games to go that you've got Elias Pettersson as an elite performer. He's chasing 100 points. And yet the organization is bringing in guys fresh out of college and plugging them into the lineup. And so you've kind of got these mixed messages that part of it's out of necessity because they just can't keep defensemen healthy right now. But also... Uh, they wanted to go out there. I mean, we know that uh, they haven't drafted defensemen in a while and haven't done enough to draft and develop defensemen. And so the one way to go is, you know, through the free agent route. And and so they've done well in that regard to go and bring in bodies here. Um, and so you want to give them a chance. But yeah, I mean, in a locker room full of guys at different stages of their careers, it does have to be odd going to battle, you know, for 75 games or 77 games, You've been laying it on the line, and now it's just sort of this mishmash of you know guys that like you don't know, you don't fully know their games. It's hard, you barely know their names, all that kind of stuff. So, um, as Garland said, like it's their job, and they're well compensated to to do their job. But yeah, you can also understand that if you're plugging in guys that were playing in college last week, you have to know that the stakes just aren't very high and and so human nature might be to let your guard down a little bit but that's where you got to push through and as garland said be a pro and that's the business side of it though right and that's where you have to understand the business side and that's why i'm saying like guys right now you have to you know you can't take any of this for granted because you can trust me go out into the real world it's not like the nhl right so uh and i think some guys sort of need a kick in the pants sometimes and some guys don't some guys don't figure it out um a guy that sort of might be one of those guys we're sort of talking about right now. I'm not saying that he's taking his situation for granted or anything like that, but Vitaly Kravtsov, like here he is. He was basically the extra out there yeah. today in practice. So there's Aiden McDonough looking like he's possibly going to get in the, the lineup ahead of him once again. Like if you're Vitaly Kravtsov right now, like your NHL future sort of hangs in the balance here. Yeah, no question. Uh, I kind of thought maybe Rick Tockett would find a way to squeeze him back into you know, sit him down for a few games, see if the message gets through. Uh, based on practice, it does not look like that's going to be uh, against Chicago. Now, there's still four games beyond that one. Uh, we don't know what the game on Saturday is going to mean to the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, Los Angeles Kings, by the time they get to L.A., the Kings could be locked into their slot, so there may not be a ton at stake. And then you've got games against Anaheim and, and Arizona to round out the the schedule. So I would imagine that you'll see Kravtsov again. Uh, Taka did say that he thought Vasily Colson would play before the end of the season. There's only five games to go, but he had to see a doctor here first, so he needs medical clearance. But Taka seemed bullish enough that uh, he thought that he'd have uh, Colson for a few more games before the end of the season. Uh, he did say, and I think he said this before, but uh, both Wolan and Brisebois uh, essentially done. He didn't see a way that they were coming back to play again for the Vancouver Canucks. So that means that Hiroshi probably stays and plays and, you know, Jack Rathbone is extended. It's a, a you know, on an emergency call up. He wasn't guaranteed uh, much more than the one game that he was called up for. Looks like Rathbone's going to play out uh, the season here now. I don't know if that means he plays every game because as we said, if uh, you've got McWard here now, there are some extra bodies, but uh, as a left shot guy, along with Hiroshi, uh, you know, that probably gives him a leg up to stay in the lineup for the bulk of the remaining game. So we'll see how it goes. There's going to be some decisions to make here. And again, some of that will depend on Quinn Hughes and his health and well-being. Uh, but certainly some eyes raised when he wasn't at practice today thinking like, all right, have they just run him into the ground? Is he Has he turned to dust after all the ice time that he's logged here? But uh, no, the answer uh, was he, he's going to be okay. 
uh, and he may play tomorrow night. Yeah. Well, this is from the head coach on Quinn Hughes. Uh, he's dealing with a little bit of a viral thing, so it's better that he just stayed off the ice. He was, uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He was, he was pretty sick last night, so for him to tough it out just goes to show you what kind of tough kid he is. <laughs> yeah. And that motor, does it, not, does it ever stop running? I mean, you know, so he's 27 minutes uh, last night and is fighting something, so... I mean, listen, if anybody deserved a night off, it would be a Quinn Hughes. But at the same time, too, like he's chasing personal stats as well that he wants to get to. And one of them in particular being that 70 assist mark that uh, has been so elusive for NHL defensemen. Yeah. I mean, credit to him. 27 minutes, as you said, uh, if he was under the weather. But, uh, you know, he doesn't really have anything to prove. But, yes, you come this close and you don't know if you're going to have another. I mean, we, we want to believe that there's going to be a bunch of seasons here where he pushes 70 assists, but it has been an elusive mark for a reason. So there's no guarantee that you get back there. There've been a lot of good defensemen that haven't reached 70 assists. So uh, if he can get there, sure. But he's been held off the score sheet the last couple of games. He and Pedersen, uh, uh, they combined on a power play goal against Calgary. That was Hughes's last point, and Elias Pedersen scored uh, last night as well. But just two points for for PD in the last three games, and. JT Miller has one assist in the last three. Like, they're top guys. You just wonder, have they hit a wall here? Uh, the realization that the playoff dream, I mean, they had to know it wasn't going to happen, but just oh, yeah. officially being mathematically, whatever the case, uh, there's been a drop in performance, and a lot of that's on the power play, too, which is just, it stunk the last couple of nights. So uh, I hope with five games to go that they're healthy enough, they get it back together, and they can... Uh, rack up the points to get to those individual milestones that they've been chasing all season long. All right. Like we talked about off the top of the podcast, uh, Rick Tockett, I uh, put in Anthony Beauvillier uh, in over Dakota Joshua on that top line with Elias Patterson. Here's the head coach on the reasoning. Yeah, you know, I, I think Josh is more, you know, I tried to put him up there. It just, I didn't see any chemistry there. You know, maybe he was trying to be something he's not, you know, so it seems like he's better with Amon. They know their role. Um, but like I said, you got to find, you know, I get P's line's got to get a better forecheck, and they can't just rely off the rush or fancy plays because they're gonna be, you're gonna play LA and you're gonna play teams like Vegas and Edmonton where you're gonna have to play a grind out style. You might have to win the game two to one, and you might have to score different ways. So I got we got to get that line on a better forecheck and situations. Is Anthony Beauvillier the better forechecker there? Oh, well, I mean, the option on the other side, of course, is Andre Kuzmenko, and we know that that's kind of been the knock uh, against him and led to him seeing some pine at times under Rick Tockett is uh, you know, a little too much east-west and not enough north-south. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Beauvillier has scored in two of the last three games uh, away from that top line. So, you know, he's gone cold, but he's found his form a little bit. Uh, at least as a scorer the last couple of games, we'll see if he can carry that over and get back. I mean, that line has been productive when they've been together, those three guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, clearly that's going to be something that uh, Rick Talk is watching. And if there isn't enough forechecking going on, then uh, maybe he looks for other options uh, you know, to play with Elias Pettersson here over the final couple of games. you got some news as well I, I, that uh, we haven't really talked about here on this no. podcast, but uh, fill in the people. you got a, you got yourselves a new, a new job. Yeah, a bit of a side hustle. Uh, nothing changes here with Rink-Wide. I'm, I'm not leaving you, Andrew. I'm not Good. abandoning you. Please don't leave me. Uh, so Rink-Wide will stay pre-game, post-game, every game, and non-game days like this as well. Uh, and with Sakaris and Price, I'll be a regular there. Uh, but yeah, the hockey news, uh, you know, venerable institution in this business. And I think of it way back in my childhood as a newspaper. Obviously, it's uh, adapted with the times and is now a digital outlet. 
Uh, and they're expanding at a time when a lot of media, big media, is scaling back and cutting costs and corners. Uh, the Hockey News wants to have a person on the ground in all 32 NHL markets to start next season. And so uh, opportunity was presented, and I thought, yeah, you know what? I've, I've done writing in the past. I had a column at the Georgia Strait for 10 years. I wrote for the province. I had a Sunday column for a couple of years at the province uh, on TSN's website when we were all back there. And I've always enjoyed writing. It's a different outlet. It's a different part of your brain. And so I haven't done it for a couple of years. So I'm going to have to knock some rust off my <laughs> fingertips and my keyboard. But uh, yeah, I mean, they were great. They were like, you do you do whatever you want. Like, here's the blank canvas. Uh, you know, here's the keys to the website, essentially. And so, you know, I'll find my way. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it. But I do want to get into postgame takeaways again, like I used to do at 1040 and you know, it allows me to expand on some certain points that we will talk about on the post-game show, but uh, I'll try to come up with, uh, you know, a couple of different angles. Not that I'm going to withhold from the, the post-game pod, but uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm back. It allows me to get back around the rink, something that I haven't uh, been privy to for much of this season. So, yes, I was back at practice uh, as a hockey news guy today, and it was kind of fun. And um going to be at the last couple of games sitting in the hockey news seat in the press box and so looking forward to that and uh, and then hopefully uh, you know full coverage online for next season and of course uh, off season now in Vancouver the off seasons are as eventful and probably more interesting than the 82 game slog uh, of the regular season anyhow so yeah I mean the timing was a little odd to jump on board this late in this season but it does establish a presence and then it sets up to cover uh, the draft lottery and all the change, hopefully, that's coming to this team and then, you know, through the draft and free agency and everything else. So, uh, yeah, that's it. It's uh, essentially complementing the work that uh, we do here at Rinkwide and with Harrison Price and it just uh, uh, a different way to express some of my thoughts. And, you know, me, I've got uh, thoughts rattling around in my brain at all hours of the night about this hockey club and and don't always get them out uh, on the podcast or on Twitter. So uh, it's just a, a different vehicle for me, I suppose. But uh, hopefully uh, it's uh, received well. I appreciate everybody that, uh, man, the yeah. outpouring of support was overwhelming. Uh, it meant a lot. So thanks to everybody that uh, tweeted and texted and Instagram message and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to try to have some fun with it. Uh, again, I think yeah, more coverage in the market is good for the, for the hockey consumer at, at a time when, again, uh, there's been a reduction. Uh, to see the hockey news stepping up its investment in coverage of the league, uh, you know, in some of the non-traditional markets, obviously, but in a mainstay market like Vancouver, uh, you know, hopefully I can uh, live up to the standards that uh, the hockey news has had for many, many years. And check it out at hockeynews.com and just follow the steps there to find the Vancouver Canucks coverage. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. 
Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Free casino games, sports odds, and poker tips. Make a play today. I know this is something that we've focused in on in the Canucks since you and I have been together under Rinkwide because they've been so poor on home ice, and we've just always sort of circled that as uh, you know something that the Canucks needed to fix. This year, as we wind things down on home ice, they are 17-20-2, not nearly good enough. No, and obviously losses here the last couple of games, uh, well, first three games of the homestand, two regulation losses to the Kraken and the Kings, and then the overtime loss to the Calgary Flames. You know, they had a 2 nothing lead against the Flames, if you remember, on Friday. Calgary had to mount the comeback there. They were up 2 nothing on the Kraken last night. Uh, so decent starts, but it's a 60-minute game, and sometimes it's beyond 60 minutes, and it does kind of feel like the Canucks, um, again, checked out maybe be strong language, but, you know, they didn't get buried from the outset of these games. They had leads, and then kind of shut it down. Now, some of these other teams have more to play for, and maybe some of their desperation uh, rose to the surface. Whatever the case, 17-20-2 and two in 39 home games with, Games to go against Chicago and Calgary here. Uh, more than that, though, like I look at the 17 wins. I was looking at this morning, only 12 of those in regulation time. Like regulation wins matter because if this team is going to get where it wants to go, the most direct route is to take the two points available any night and make sure your opponent gets none. And home ice is supposed to matter. It's supposed to give you an advantage. Uh, 12 regulation wins, and then you dig even deeper than that. And I tweeted out the 12 wins, and people were quick to point out, like, right now, only four of those 12 are above the playoff bar on either side. Like, Pittsburgh could get above, and maybe it's five. But either way, like, not even half the regulation wins are against the good teams in the NHL. Like, you know, San Jose, a couple of wins. They beat Anaheim, uh, Ottawa, Philadelphia. Uh, it's things like that that to me are sort of subtle indicators. Like we all know that they've got a ton of work in front of them as an organization. But when you start to break it down, like you can't get sucked into the fact that, oh, they've got 17 home ice wins. Great. They're almost at 20 home ice wins. No, like dig a little deeper there. And there's always going to be bad teams and you got to beat the bad teams, but you got to find a way to beat the good teams as well. And certainly those teams that are right there, you know, around you. And so, um, yeah, I just, the fans, the home fans, the paying customer deserves better. And it's another year. And even if they beat Chicago and Calgary here in regulation time or in any fashion, the best they can do is 19 wins. Well, they've got 20 outright losses. Like The ship has sailed. They can't even get to NHL 500 on home ice this season. So for a second straight year, that's going to be more losses than wins. Uh, And again, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be entertainment. People are shelling out good money. And I mean, they just have, obviously, they got to be a better team at home, but they got to be a better team on the road. They just got to be a better team. Uh, But I, 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 you know, if I was a consumer, if I was a season ticket holder, I, that's a big ask to keep shelling out big bucks to you know, just not get much of a return on your investment. Well, not only that, too, when you look at the regulation wins, what do you got? Anaheim, L.A., and two against San Jose. So there's your four against Pacific Division. Like You cannot be leading any more points to your right. division yep. rivals as well, right? So you got yeah, to take care of business, especially within your own division. And that's something that the Canucks are really going to have to focus in on because – 
like let's be honest here like they're not fighting for that division title anytime soon so if they are going to be able to get themselves in they got to take care of business against the guys that you know they're essentially fighting uh, tooth and nail with so yeah you're right uh, again it's got to be a fortress you know and uh, it very much hasn't been that uh, for the Canucks over the last few years but at the same time too j Pat, like I, I think there's more pain ahead right like this team is improving are they going to like a lot of people that wanted to take a look at that stretch under Rick Tockett and sort of try to define what that means for next season it doesn't mean anything for next season we've seen that we saw it with Bruce Boudreau last year I mean, shoot, we don't even know what the roster is going to look like next year. JT Miller might not be a Canuck next year, right? They could have a whole different roster. So, you know, to try to sort of pinpoint exactly where they're going right now is really tough with this team. But uh, I think it's fair to say that this isn't a team that's going to be, you know, fighting for uh, a President's Trophy, a Western Conference title, or or even a division title anytime soon here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you look at Tockett's been on the job now for 31 games, so he's not going to quite get to a full half season, but pretty close. I mean, I think it's close enough that you can basically look and say, you know, he almost had 41 games, enough to call that a half season. Whatever the case, in the 31 games that he's been behind the bench with five to go, 16, 11, and four. So 16 wins and 15 losses. Their win percentage is 581. Based on the points that they have gained, they are basically middle of the pack in the National Hockey League. So even though it's felt like there's been a turnaround and that they've won more than they did under Bruce Boudreau, uh, obviously four losses here in a row kind of brings it back down to earth a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and so it goes beyond that. Okay, so the record is 16-11-4. They've scored 106 goals for Tockett. They've given up 103. Like their goal, they have a plus three goal differential. So, yeah. And yeah, look at the top teams in the league. Like they're not riding plus, you know, anything plus uh, single digits, really. The top teams, every team is in double digits in the top teams that are in the playoff contention right now. Every single one of them. The worst is plus 13. And that's yeah. the Islanders and the Panthers right now. And then you look at special teams, the power play at 20%, which is kind of league average. Um, and the penalty kill is 77.3 under Tockett, which is an improvement, but it's still not, like it just, uh, you know, they can't be resting on their laurels and high-fiving in that room that the penalty kill is 77.3. I mean, the good teams are in the high 80s. And so, again, just it all underscores how much work there. Yes, maybe they've taken some some steps in the right direction and they've got their coach now, the management group, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be another big season, and they're up against it cap-wise. So people can want massive turnover of the roster again, but easier said than done. Um, but they they have no choice. I mean, they've got to continue to chip away because what they've got here right now, uh, it ain't it. It's just not good enough, and we'll see how long it takes them to get to a point where we think they're good enough. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to unpack this, especially since the Canucks season ends after uh, next week. So we'll be able to dive into, you know, sure. sort of speculative talk and where we sort of see things going. But there, this could be an absolutely fascinating offseason once again for the Canucks. And as we've seen, I think so far through, uh, you know, you want to say Rutherford, but really um, Patrick Alvin is starting to put his, 
you know, fingerprints on this team, right? And he likes to be active. So I'm very curious to see exactly what this offseason is going to be for, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we do know that Young Stars is coming back. That was a piece of news that we didn't uh, get to unpack. A two-year deal that uh, is going to be uh, guaranteed to be back in Penticton. St. Teams, Flames, Jets, Oilers, and the Canucks involved in that. I know you were there this year. Uh, always a good time, right? It's just a great story and a great way to kick off the season as well. Yeah, that was a nice piece of news. Uh, we were in that busy stretch of the schedule where it just kind of felt like we couldn't come up for air and, and digest things that were happening outside of the games themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it, nine games and 15 nights or something? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Young Stars has established itself as an absolute, uh, just a, a great A way to start the season. Uh, I mean, Penticton in shoulder season, the weather's still good, spectacular. The tourists have basically gone and the hockey team takes over and the, the hockey tournament takes over. Uh, South Okanagan Event Center is just an incredible facility for, uh, you know, the BC Hockey League team and obviously one of the flagships of the BCHL, the Penticton Bees. Uh, it is uh, it's a palace, though, for uh, junior hockey. So uh, it's a great host. They've got two sheets of ice. Um, and, you know, to get the buy-in again from the Jets and the Oilers and the Flames. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good to have it back this past year and then to sign a two-year agreement. And, you know, Jonathan Wall, who was uh, in the Canucks front office and then was let go uh, when they had the big house cleaning, uh, you know, he was one of the driving forces behind Young Stars and now lives in the Penticton area and is into real estate up there. And and But he's got the background and the know-how and is serving as sort of the tournament chair on the ground in Penticton. So it's in good hands with J-Wall. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, if fans haven't had a chance, uh, you know, I, I would suggest like make the road trip. It's an easy drive up the Coquihalla or maybe you go through the whole Princeton, whatever the case, get to Penticton, uh, the wine tasting, some golf, uh, and then, you know, you got all these hockey games with um, young stars, and they are. I mean, every team's a little bit different in where they are with their development, and of course, the Canucks had to kind of uh, pad their roster last year because they didn't have a whole lot in the pipeline, but, you know, now they've gone and they brought in these college free agent guys, and that should be uh, an opportunity for them to to step foot on the ice wearing Canuck jerseys and give us all a look at, you know, what's possible and, and what's to come. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, it was uh, well-received news and certainly uh, glad to hear that, uh, and it wasn't just a one-year deal that, you know, gives them a little bit of certainty for the next couple of years, uh, young stars in Penticton. Yeah, interesting to see exactly who we'll uh, get to see next year at uh, in Penticton. Maybe uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi will be there. Of course, a lot of people interested in Elias Patterson, I mean, because of the name, but also there is some intrigue uh, around him. You know, maybe Yoni Yermo will be there as well. Like The Canucks don't have a lot of top young prospects, but they definitely have some guys no, that they, are... If inter- they hold on to their first-round pick, it should be a top 10 yeah. this year, and, yeah. and that player... Uh, now, again... It's important to note European season generally starts sort of at the same time that Young Stars is going on. So a lot. But we do of times, get some of them, do we not? Uh, the ones that are staying over here and are going to play in Abbotsford, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, but sometimes the ones that are playing in the European leagues, uh, they've started their season. And the same with NCAA. Generally, the school season, school year has begun. And so you don't see NCAA players at the tournament. Uh, it's generally guys that major junior or guys that are in the Canucks system. Uh, and are going to play in Abbotsford yeah. next year. Yeah, so then taking a look at guys like Patterson and there's probably odds are that they're not going to make their way over here, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Your mom might, though. There's some talk about yeah. them trying to bring him over. And, yeah. uh, and well, He's others. a 2020 draft, too, right? So, yeah, it's had a little bit of time there. Um, 
one guy we might see as well is Nikita Tolapilo. I think I've got that right. Tolapilo. Mm. Is that how you say it? I, That's the goaltender that I'm they signed. I'm not sure that I've actually ever said it. I've read it, but uh, I'm not sure that I've said his name out loud. So Yeah, I think, that, I, think I got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Belarus. Turns 23 tomorrow, J-Pat. Ah, well, happy birthday to him. <laughs> happy birthday, He's a big dude. 6'6", six, 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 Yeah. So I, I know that you and I don't uh, necessarily know a whole lot about uh, prospects, especially goaltender prospects out of Belarus. Um, but I do know that he's the fifth goalie now in the system. And out of all the goalies that are in the system, just one of them's on an expiring contract right now. And that's Colin Delia. I don't think Colin Delia has got the inside track to be the backup. I know we've batted that around a, a little bit. It feels like that's a job that's going to be open uh, come training camp next year. But, uh, hey, maybe we'll get a look at this guy, uh, Tolapilo, in uh, Penticton first, and then uh, perhaps uh, at training camp whether, wherever they hold it uh, next year. Yeah, I'm calling him the torpedo. I'm just, I like that. I'm just going to go with the torpedo. I like that. Uh, yeah, look, the first thing when they announced the signing was like, oh, my God, look at the size. And and. Uh, it's just the way goaltending is these days, but six six two thirty that fills up a lot of the net right there. Uh, I know Ian uh, Patrick Johnson talked to Ian Clark uh, about him because it didn't feel like a lot of people knew a whole lot about him. He was playing over in the Swedish second division this year, uh, had off the charts numbers, and clearly the Canucks saw enough there that uh, you know uh, if he gets a chance to work with Ian Clark. Uh, we know that Ian Clark has uh, been a goalie whisperer, and so get him into the system. Yeah, I don't know what the plans are, where he would play next year, if he's coming to North America. Uh, you know, might he have to play in the ECHL uh, if the Canucks have two goalies that they like in the American Hockey League? So, yeah, I think there are th- some things there, but Ian Clark, again, you know, raved about the length, and and you can't teach that kind of stuff, and, and they've seen enough in his techniques and his fundamentals now that... Uh, uh, they wanted to get him into the fold, so they did. And, uh, you know, it, it's not a big signing in the uh, grand scheme, but it's a big guy, so I guess maybe it is a big signing in in that regard. Uh, but you can never have too much goaltending. I, yes. You know, you develop it for yourself, or uh, you start building up, uh, you know, a stockpile of goaltenders, and you use them as assets, and generally, uh, I mean, the goaltending trade market's always a bit of a funky one, but... You know, you can just never have too much goaltending in the system. And a year like this was proof of that, that, uh, you know, the Canucks uh, kind of thought they could get by with a, an unproven American hockey leaguer as uh, the backup to Thatcher Demko. And obviously that didn't work out uh, so well for Spencer Martin. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that they're going to have to decide. But, um, you know, they don't have budget. Like, we know that there isn't a lot of cap flexibility. So do you go into the market and bring in another, uh, you know, experienced guy with that, yeah, has NHL games on his resume, but that's what Colin Delia is. Can you find a better version of Colin Delia at sort of league minimum? I, I'm not sure. Uh, or do you go back down Spencer Martin Boulevard as the backup? He's under contract, league minimum. And if something were to happen to Thatcher Demko again next year, does Arthur Silov's, you know, like, does he leapfrog Spencer Martin and do you turn to him? Like, I still think, Another year in the AHL is the right pl- place for Arthur Silovs, but next year he'll have NHL experience under his belt from the games that he got this year. He'll be a little further along in the development curve. I-, I wonder if they try to patchwork. Now, again, this is all playing with fire for a team that wants to believe that it's going to be in a playoff chase next year because you saw what happened once Demko went down. They're, pl- I mean, they're 
dreams were probably derailed before Demko went down, but certainly there was no getting back into the hunt. So, uh, yeah, add it to the long list of uh, intriguing storylines to follow here in the offseason, what they do with, uh, you know, what's the thinking uh, with the backup position behind Thatcher Demko. Spencer Martin, 14 games played down in Abbotsford this year, a 2.56 GAA. He's 6 6 and 2 for a record with a 9.14 save percentage. No, and funny enough, 9.14 is what he had in the 21 22 season with 25 games played uh, with Abbotsford as well. So last year, uh, in those 25 games that he played in Abbey, same sort of save percentage. Uh, GAA was a little bit lower. Uh, last year, but still, those are decent numbers when you when you look at uh, Spencer Martin and when you consider what he was doing in the NHL at almost close to a four in uh, goals against average and an eight seven one uh, save percentage in the twenty nine games that he played. Twenty nine games. I know at the start of the year we batted that around. Like, could, does he get to thirty? Like, what is the right. sort of split here that Thatcher Demko? And then, of course, everything went off the rails at the start of the year. So. Yeah, you're right. It's very interesting to see exactly what they do. There's not going to be a lot of money allotted for that, at least if you look at the way the the cap is structured right now. But I think we're seeing a bit of a shift in the NHL in terms of the way that people are thinking about goaltending. And there's very few teams in the league that can be like, yeah, we have our one and he's solid. There is a 1A, 1B going around in a lot of different situations Curious to what that's going to be in the playoffs. I know we batted that around on a, on a previous pod, but I wonder if we're going to see any sort of platoon um, here in this postseason because there has been some teams that have been shuffling around uh, more than one goal. I mean, look at Carolina. They got three good goalies right now, right? So, Well, you know, this is funny, and this is so low-key. It really doesn't matter, but uh, I, there's a little derby going on to see who's going to end up leading the Vancouver Canucks in goaltending wins this season. There's five games to go. We don't know how the goaltender is going to be deployed. Although Rick Tockett today after practice, he hinted that it was going to be Demko tomorrow night. I kind of thought maybe they'd give Delia the Blackhawks and then have Demko go in the home finale. And maybe that's the case. Anyways, Spencer Martin still has a share of the team lead in wins. He hasn't been here in, in six weeks. He and Thatcher Demko both have 11 wins. Colin Delia has nine. Like, I don't know how many more wins the Canucks have in front of them. If they play like they did the last couple of nights, there may not be many. Um, You know, is it possible that somehow the math works that Colin Delia gets two more wins? Thatcher Demko doesn't win another game. You'd have three guys with 11 wins. (laughs) It'd be a a three-horse race uh, with 11 victories on the season. So uh, Demko needs one more. He'll probably get it, but... uh, Imagine that. If the outset of the season you said, I can't tell you how this is going to go. All you need to know is that Thatcher Demko is going to lead the Canucks with 12 wins this season. <laughs> well, I mean, if, when you think about our fantasy draft as well and how you yes. ended up picking Thatcher Demko. I try Demko. not to think about uh, our fantasy draft. <laughs> what do you have last year? It was 33 wins. That's right. Yeah, I mean, if you had have worked out uh, with the 33 wins, that might have been better for your fantasy draft. We'll, we'll talk about that on Friday, though. We'll save that. Um, uh, lastly here, um, well, not lastly, but uh, something I wanted to get to was our poll question today, which was based around the new guys, uh, Kito Hirose and Aiden McDonough, just asking you whose game intrigues you more. And right now, 400 votes are in. Still plenty of time to vote, though, on Twitter, at Rinkwide Van. Who do you think is leading? Uh, I would think uh, Kito Hirose. That is correct. He's he's leading by a lot, too. Uh, 70.2% of the vote. And that's where my vote went as well. I'm very intrigued by this player. 
Uh, I'm looking under the hood here right now at the um, advanced stats, and they're not great for uh, neither player. But at the same time, too, the eye test from what I've seen, I think there's something there with Idaro Rossi. Dare I say there's a bit of Quinn Hughes in his game, and I know that uh, those are pretty, uh, you know, big shoes to sort of uh, fill. But at the same time, too, like he is a puck mover, and we talked about it on the post game pod. Uh, the last couple, he just looks very comfortable out there. So I'm intrigued. And that's really what the question is, right? Like, how are you, how intriguing are you, these, uh, are these players to you? And Akito Hiroshi stands out to me over Aiden McDonough. Yeah. It's impossible to call a guy that's played four games for the, for the Canucks, you know, disappointing. No. Yeah. But I, I just, I'm, I'm left wanting more from Aiden McDonough. And yeah, he's got his goal and that's great. But the last two games have not been terrific for him. I, I want to notice him. In different areas, I want to see him winning some of those board battles that Rick Tockett talks about. I want to see him get in on the forecheck and try and separate guys from the puck and and use his size. You know, when he scored his goal, get to the front of the net. And he should be a big body that's hard to move. Uh, it just, there hasn't been a whole lot there, quite frankly. Now, maybe I was expecting too much. We've talked this guy up, but ultimately he was a seventh-round draft pick in his draft class, and he's making the jump from the college level to uh, to the pros. So obviously there's going to be a gap there. Uh, I just hope that there is more for him to give and that we see it because, uh, you know, I, I want to believe that, you know, there's a player there. Like an clearly thought so. They hung with him through all four years at Northeastern and, and got him to, to turn pro here. So I'm not surprised. I mean, Hiroshi is a little bit of recency bias. He's only played the first, you know, two games of his career here in the last two games. And I'm with you. The eye test has looked all right. The underlying numbers, uh, but again, the Canucks uh, haven't been generating a whole lot in the way of shots. And if you're not generating at one end, you're probably going to be defending. And that's what uh, they've all been doing, not just Hiroshi. But uh, uh, Rick Tocchet talked about him today and said there was a you know a play that he remembered from last night that was just textbook with the way that he went into the corner, uh, you know, attached himself to uh, the offensive player. Uh, he said the body positioning was perfect. In fact, they used it as a clip to show you know two games in, and they're already showing. Uh, the rest of the team, Akito Hirose clips, so uh, feather in his cap there. Um, yeah, I, I, again, it's it's too early to proclaim, like, this guy's going to have a long, you know, Vancouver Canuck career, but two games yeah. against two teams that are headed to the playoffs, like, you know, that's getting thrown in as, uh, um, you know, you can't control that. Like, you don't know who when you're going to make your NHL debut. His happened the other night against the Kings, and then he got another chance. And as we said, uh, you know, they're short on lefties right now, so a pretty good chance that he stays and plays, and we'll see what he can do with the opportunity with five games to go. Speaking of birthdays, he turns 24 on Sunday. So, man, birthdays go. here. A few birthday parties to celebrate in that dressing room. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, uh, before we get out of here, let's squeeze in and ask Jay Pat. Yep. Also got uh, 
want to talk about the Masters a little bit, but let's yeah. get to this Ask J-Pat here for just a second. This is Nuckin' Fats, our buddy on Twitter, says, do you think Chalkit is any different than Travis Green? He says he preaches things that don't happen, blames players instead of himself for late-game mistakes, switches up lines when his matchups don't work, hard to have faith when we've seen this story before. Uh, before you answer, I feel like he's being a little harsh on Talkit, but uh, what do you feel? Uh, I love the confidence that you show now saying knuck and futs. Yeah, I like got you, it. You used yeah. to, I know, you yeah. were just a mess. And I was always like, I had to cover my ears because you just never know where it was exactly. going to go. Uh, now you're just like, I, yeah, I got this thing. You're the one talking about stick lengths, all right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought I prefaced it. I tried to you know, let it, give it a little bit of space there. Uh, whatever. Um, I've heard this from other people as well that, and, Look, Rick Tockett and Travis Green are friends. They are. They no bones about that. Uh, you know, and so maybe they've talked strategy and share some ideas about the game. Um, I, I would say, like, you know, Travis Green was here for parts of five seasons. I was out on the road covering him, home and away for three of those. Got to know him pretty well. Got to know, you know, sort of the way that he operated and the way that he thought. Uh, it's too soon with Rick Tockett. Like, I can't say that I have that full read on Rick Tockett yet. So I understand people drawing those comparisons, but I'm not prepared to to make them myself just yet. I think I need to see more than 31 games from, from Rick Tockett. Yeah, it also feels like Tockett sort of bends a little more than, than Travis Green does. But again, this is early right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he has got to give him some time here uh, for Rick Tockett to let the battle scars sort of build up. Uh, okay, the Masters starts, well, I guess the part three, I'm watching it right now, actually. So the uh, Masters starts uh, tomorrow. And I know last year we batted around, you know, picking guys and whatnot. But I just figured this year, like, I want to know who you are picking to win the tournament outright from the field. But I also want to know who do you think the top Canadian is going to be in the field this weekend. So who you got? Well, I, I'm going to bore you with my answer because he's the champ. He's the reigning yeah. champ. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I have to look at Scotty Scheffler. I just don't like, you know, the guy's shown that he can win at that golf course. He's uh, shown he can win at a lot of golf courses here recently. You know, not a real weakness to his game. Maybe not a ton of flash, but not many mistakes. And so, uh, yeah, I have to go with the reigning champ. I, I mean, I, I'd love to see Rory McIlroy win and complete the career grand slam. He's been playing well too. I yeah. know, but uh, for whatever reason, Augusta, there just seems to be the, the mental hurdle there. Um, I mean, I love watching him when he's dialed in, you know, the driver, just it's art. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, an easy pick, I know, but uh, I'm going to go with, with Scotty Scheffler. And the Canadians in the field are Corey Connors, Mac Hughes, Adam Svensson, and Mike Weir. Don't think you're picking Weirzy. Who do you got out of those three? I'd love to see Adam Svensson continue to just do what he's done all season. I mean, he's played well, a winner out on tour now, get from Surrey. Um, but, you know, the Augusta hasn't been kind to to first-timers. Um, and so I think, you know, there's going to be a ton of learning for him. Uh, I saw that he played a practice round with the other Canadians. So it was kind of cool and maybe draw on whatever experience that uh, he can from a guy like Mike Weir 20 years ago this week was uh, the Green Jacket uh, champ. Um I mean, how do you look past Corey Connors winning last week, right? So, uh, again, I feel like I'm just like all chalk here and just going with the favorite and the the guy that's coming in on uh, on form. But Connors has played well at Augusta, and that matters as well. 
Uh, we know that Mackenzie Hughes, when he's on, putts as well as just about anybody out there on tour. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Corey Connors just based on the fact that uh, he's coming off a win and probably feeling pretty good about his game. All right, so you have got Scotty Scheffler, who is uh, plus 750 on Bodog odds right now, and Corey Connors, who is at plus 5,000 right now. I like Cam Smith. I I love his game. The only problem is I don't watch a lot of live golf. Actually, I don't watch any live golf. So I don't really know where his game is at right now, but I've always loved Cam Smith. He's at plus 2,500. Uh, so I would take him as my pick to win. But I'm with you when it comes to the Canadians. I can't go any further than Corey Connors as well. So I like Corey Connors to be the top Canadian in the field as well. If you had somebody that just, you, you thought, you know, complete long shot, maybe you love his game. You would love to see him, you know, perhaps, you know, be be there on Sunday in contention. Who would that be? I, I think Xander Shoffley is not a long shot, but it's a, a guy that hasn't broken through in a major yeah. yet. And I've kind of been with him since his arrival on tour. I don't know if it was the name that drew me to him. Whatever the case, I, I've kind of followed him uh, as he's risen through the ranks. And I mean, he's among the best in the world now. You kind of think that one of these ma- one of these majors, uh, he'll put it all together. So, yeah, I mean, keeping an eye on Sanders Shoffley. I'm a John Rahm guy. I, I like Rombo myself. Uh, I would love to see uh, Rombo win it, but uh, I'm not, that's that's a little chalky, though, right? I mean, that's one of the favorites for sure. But uh, hey, listen, it's going to be a big weekend. Of course, the uh, Canucks will be in action, so y- you can find us with the pregame at the postgame because we do every game here uh, with the Canucks. But we do have Thursday coming up against Chicago, and then Saturday, which should be a big tilt, hopefully a big tilt with the Calgary Flames uh, in town. They do play the Winnipeg Jets tonight in what is going to be a big one as well. So we'll have to see exactly what happens in that one. But uh, busy week for us ahead, of course, uh, keeping an eye on Canucks hockey and on the Masters tournament. And yeah, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with the pregame. So if you haven't checked out the pregames, please do it uh, on YouTube. Give us a sub- subscribe, if you if you will. Maybe a like, if you will, as well. Rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. That All, all these things help us uh, grow this show. All right, J-Pat, good one. And I'm glad to see that you're back in the building as well. Back at practice following the Canucks. This has been another edition of the Rink-Wide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink-Wide. It's the show that always scores.